Hey, welcome to episode two of the Fit Life Formula podcast. My name is Brian Sippitz, and I'm the founder of Advantage Strength in Ann Arbor, Michigan. This show is going to help 35 to 65-year-olds live more, play more, and feel stronger than ever before so you can stay active with your family and friends and get back to the things that you love to do. We'll dig into what the fitness formula really is within the first few episodes here, but today we're going to have a very special guest, uh, somebody who is a part of the Advantage family. Kate Owens is joining us today. She's a former intern and coach with us here, and she just recently graduated from the University of Michigan and most importantly managed to write a book before she graduated. Today we're going to be talking to Kate about her book, which is titled Rootless, and it's about the four main factors that need to be in place to help people like you stick to an exercise or a fitness program. Um, we're going to talk about how reflecting on you know, your situation, your why, why that's important. We're going to talk about the presence of others and how that can be influential for you. We're going to talk about taking things one step at a time, setting small goals, and finally tailoring the atmosphere, the environment, or the program to your needs. So all super important things. We're going to be talking to Kate about that today. Uh, she has a pretty amazing story. She's been through quite a bit in the last few months, so she's going to tell you a little bit about that. But we're going to go ahead and jump on our call with Kate Owens, recent graduate of the University of Michigan and author of the book, Rootless. All right, well, we've connected on a Zoom call with Kate Owens. Kate, uh, as we mentioned in the introduction, was a former intern here with us and did such a great job that we wanted to have her around coaching with us this winter and spring. Um, lucky for her, she has, uh, she's just wrapped up classes in the last week here and is going to be heading out to Google in California to be uh, heading some of their fitness programs out there. So a super cool opportunity. And Kate, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And I assume this is your first podcast episode? It is. I feel very honored. <laughs> I've been listening to practice. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. Uh, this is our first podcast, so this is a, like episode two, so um, you probably haven't heard too many of these, but uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to have you and, and excited to get a hold of you before the book tour begins. <laughs> Positive thinking. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just kidding. There's there's no book tour scheduled, so if you were looking for that, um, well, tell us really quickly, kind of where you've been in the last, uh, you know, the last three years of your life have been big. You've seen some some big changes, and um, you know, tell us a little bit about kind of the last couple of years of your life and and what led you to really even consider writing a book in college, which is super impressive. Thank you. Yeah, so I came to the University of Michigan on the women's track and field and cross country team. And it was an amazing experience, as I'm sure you can relate to playing hockey. Um, but I had repeated stress fractures. And so ultimately, I had to medically retire my senior year. And then I also dealt with a personal tragedy. My mom passed away um, a little over a year ago. And so initially, my idea was to write a memoir. Um, and so that's how I began writing. And then I got connected with a professor at Georgetown. And his main goal is to help undergraduates get published and kind of create credibility for themselves in their chosen profession. 
so after conversing with him, I eventually changed my initial idea and wanted to write about health behavior changes. Um, and that was largely inspired from my work as an exercise physiologist last summer and the frustrations I experienced with patients not being able to walk very long on the treadmill and then given these behavioral prescriptions with no support to carry them through. I see. So yeah, I guess that was probably a really challenging position for you as a former athlete and someone who trained and had uh, a lot of wins in terms of your athletic career. You now are kind of put into a situation where you're trying to help others understand the value of the exercise and, and things like that and things that they clearly haven't found value in in the past. And uh, I'm sure it was it was tough for you to just kind of take a look and say, what, what's happening here where, why, they, I think people understand the benefits, but in a lot of cases, they're just, either they don't know how to get started or they aren't willing to get started just because they don't know that world. So that must've been pretty challenging. Yeah, I definitely, it just, it made me more curious if anything. I just was so, I just wanted to know why it wasn't working for a lot of people. Okay, so the, the, the book uh, that you wrote is called Rootless, and yes. uh, you, you went with the ROOT acronym, R-O-O-T, mm-hmm. and a lot of it, well, the, the book itself is about adherence to an exercise program and, and what kind of creates, I guess, a better environment or, or what habits, what things lead to uh, a stronger exercise habit or a stronger uh, belief in fitness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit about the, the R-O-O-T and what that stands for, and uh, then we'll get into each one individually, but what, what is the acronym? Yeah, so the title is Rootless, and I initially chose that because I believe currently these exercise fads and these diets, and they're just not sustainable for the long term, and they don't help people really establish these behaviors that they need for a lifetime. Um, So then I set out and researched and interviewed a bunch of people and uncovered these four key themes. So R is reflection. O is the presence of others. The second O is taking things one at a time. And then T is tailoring to the individual. So in order to help patients and individuals engage in activity or diet or these health behaviors, to establish roots, I determined there were these four key themes that were required. Okay, and I think this is gonna be really interesting for anyone listening because, you know, in, in a lot of cases, I think a lot of people have sort of failed fitness attempts, uh, fitness and health, um, including, you know, nutrition, diet, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so this will be really interesting to kind of look into this and see which for people to be able to say, you know, which part am I missing here? And, um, you know, is it that I haven't, I don't, I haven't reflected on this. I don't know my, my main reason for doing this. Is it that I'm trying to do it by myself at a, at a $10 a month gym and I, I have no, there's not others around me. I don't have that support, but, um, so I think it'll be really interesting. So for people to kind of take a look and say, uh, I didn't realize that was an important part. Uh, maybe that's something I could add to my to my you know fitness routine or um, my fitness habit. So let's talk about each one of these. Talk about reflection. 
Yeah, so reflection really calls for assessing where you are, where you want to go, why you're in the position you are, um, and it's important to help point out different barriers you may face, what serves as your motivator, or even uncovering a deeper reason why you want to or need to make these changes. And what, but what's a, I mean, I think everybody has a, a why. Like I, I think a lot of times people go with the surface level one, which is you know, a lot of, a lot of times it's, I want to lose 10 pounds or um, I want to, you know, look better in my bathing suit or something like that. Right. <clears throat> um, how do you know, like, how do you know what your, what your actual why is and why is it important for it to be a little bit deeper than that? Yeah. So research has actually shown that internal motivators are a lot more likely to help people reach success than the external ones, such as looking better. Um, and one way to go about this, it's actually featured in one of my chapters, is the exercise you shared with me called the five whys. And it's as simple as asking someone five times in a row why they're doing something. So it's, why did you want to join a gym? Oh, because I want to lose weight. Why do you want to lose weight? Well, my son is getting married and I want to look good in his wedding. Why do you want to look good in his wedding? Oh, because I want to look good and feel good. And so why do you need to look good to feel good? And then it's all of a sudden it goes from wanting to lose weight to wanting to be respected. And you have more of an understanding of why you want to do something and how you can get there. And uh, yeah, and a lot of times that deeper meaning is a lot stronger than, you know, like for, for parents, ex for example, of, um, I don't know, kids, p parents who want to be a better, if you want to be a better parent and better example for your kid, mm -hmm. that's a lot stronger than just trying to lose 10 pounds. You know, that almost seems like a very surface level goal. So, um, cool. Yeah, I, I think that's great. And, and so f to know your why, in fact, we used to do it um, all the time with people. We used to do it in our, our initial meetings. Uh, I don't know why we got away from it. It, it actually, and if you're uh, listening and you're an Advantage member, you will see on the side of your sheet, there's a little box that says five, six, seven. And people rarely ask because it's, it's sort of disappeared at this point. It's like so far in the past, we haven't done it. But five, six, seven is, is kind of usually where you get that reason, your reason, right? So you kind of drill down through the first five whys and somewhere in number five, six or seven, you you get that reason that's the most important, like bang, that's, that's why you're doing this. Um, and we used to write it down. <clears throat> we used to have people write it on each sheet. Yeah. Number one, to remind them throughout a workout, like why, mm -hmm. why are you doing this? Um, and number two, to help us as coaches lead them through that. And yeah, so that's huge. Yeah. So if you look at, so if you look at any of our, our programs here, it says five, six, seven on the side and we should really get back to doing that. It sounds like <laughs> to writing that down, but, um, all right, let's talk about others. Why is the presence of others important? Yeah. So like, I know it's big at advantage, but community is huge, um, in getting people to maintain either fitness or changing their diet. It's just, there's this quote that I love. It's alone. We can do so little together. We can do so much. And it's from Helen Keller. Um, and I just think it really speaks to the power that you can find in numbers. Um, and also it can serve as different purposes for different people. So some people like the competition of having a big group of people 
like to push themselves or some people like that accountability or that social support and people cheering you on while you're working out. So there's definitely oh, yeah. to, to be seen doing good things and things that, you know, are an accomplishment for you is huge and to have others recognize it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I think another part of that is the accountability. And sometimes if you make a promise to yourself, it's much easier to break. But if you're somebody who has spent years and years pleasing other people or, or taking care of other people, I should say, uh, sometimes when it, when other people are on the line too, not just yourself. So like here, if you're a usual, if you're a regular in a certain class and you miss a couple of days, people are asking about you and almost, um, it's sort of like, it's kind of a built-in buddy system. And so, so you know, if you're somebody who's okay, letting yourself down, then when you have the presence of others, it becomes a lot harder for you to let others down. Um, so yeah, that community piece has been huge here. And I think is something that we do, we do well and has been really a really key component to the success that people are having here. So right. very cool. Um, okay. Take things one at a time. What is, uh, where, what did you turn up that, that sort of made that important to have in this formula? Yeah. So it definitely seems pretty obvious, but, um, making small goals can actually help you feel competent and increase your confidence in then achieving those long-term goals. So I actually read a book by Dr. Sean Young, who's a researcher out at US, UCLA, excuse me. And he even did a lot of work with the neurological rewards of having smaller goals. So even something as simple as making a to-do list and then crossing it off will give you that surge of dopamine and serotonin and those reward neurotransmitters and hormones that make you feel accomplished and then will give you that power and motivation to continue with your larger goals. Yeah. And I'm, uh, as I'm listening to that, I'm reminded of, a a, it's a book by James Clear called Atomic Habits that I've been quoting a lot lately, mostly because I just mm -hmm. read it, but also because it's, uh, it's really a pretty, can be a pretty impactful book, but the two minute rule. So if you, if there's something you're looking to start, you know, if you want to start running every day or three days a week or whatever it might be, and you're having trouble doing it, plan on the first step to in the beginning to only take two minutes. And then every step you add on after that should only take two minutes. So if that means just putting on your shoes and lacing them up and that takes two minutes, then that's your goal for the day. Um, and if, you know, after that, it might be lacing up your shoes and walking out onto the driveway. Um, and then, or walking to the mailbox and back or whatever it might be. It's just, you add a little bit at a time and it helps you overcome that initial, you know, it, it, it takes more energy to get an object moving than it does to keep that object moving. So if you can, if you can make that initial <clears throat> resistance so easy to overcome that, you know, it, it becomes easier to keep going, then you're going to have a lot more success with your you know, with your fitness program or with whatever habit you're trying to, to improve than if you go for the home run right away and just go from zero to 60 in no time. Exactly. Um, and finally, uh, let's, uh, let's wrap up the route here. Tailoring is the last part. Why is, uh, why is tailoring important? 
Yeah, so tailoring to the individual is very important to consider not only individual preferences and what you like and want to do, but also individual capabilities and abilities. So it's making sure that you're setting realistic goals, but also taking into account like what you want to do. And I think that's oftentimes overlooked. And one really cool thing that I uncovered, and I actually had a class on this at Michigan, is called motivational interviewing. And it's called motivational interviewing is a type of brief intervention where you seek to kind of guide a patient into contemplating or you meet them where they're at basically on the stages of change. Um, and then you kind of seek to increase their internal motivation. And that's just a really personalized tailored approach to that individual. And you seek to explore personal differences within that. Well, and motivational interviewing is sort of, uh, ask, just asking questions and sort of, not not asking leading questions, but asking questions that will help the person uncover their own, exactly. their own answer. Yeah. So when yeah. the idea is when someone's answer is their own, when the idea is their own, it's much more powerful than something like when a physician says, um, you need to go out and get more active. Right. You know, that's more of an order and the person doesn't really feel that attached to that. Exactly. Um, and so if you, if you, if it, the difference would be if, if a physician were to ask, you know, are there times during your day where you could maybe get a little bit more active or, you know, where you could build in some activity, then the answer might be that, you know, the standard answers are, well, I could park farther away from work and, and mm -hmm. um, walk in, or I could take the stairs at work. Then all of a sudden it's their answer. Uh, and they've, they've literally personally tailored a, a solution for themselves. So exactly. it's much more. Um, they're much more likely to to stick to that. Yeah, you nailed it. You know, in motivational interviewing. <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, well, this isn't a video. I'm looking at you on video, but I have the uh, motivational interviewing book right here in front of me. Oh, so, uh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's a little heavy, but uh, it is pretty dense. <laughs> yeah, but it's um, and it's a little more clinical than than we really need, but yeah, still kind of an interesting read, anyway. Um. Well, this is awesome. And I think so hugely helpful for people just to kind of know sometimes if, if you know a little bit more about what it is you need, what it is you're looking for, it makes it easier to get to your end goal, right? So um, if people are missing a piece of this, if they're thinking, you know, I, I don't really know why I'm doing this. I, it's just because I feel like I should. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that five whys exercise is good and, and is a good thing to sort of undertake. Well, to really drill down and figure out why am I doing this? What's, what's most important to me. Right. Um, and you know, for, I think for a lot of parents, especially in your shape down program, and for those of you who don't know, the, the shape down program is a, a program at the hospital that, that helps obese children. And a lot of times it's obese families, um, to create exercise habits and, you know, find wins in exercise so that they're more likely to be active as they, as they grow older. Um, which of course is, is sort of injury prevention. It's, it's, you know, disease, uh, risk prevention, that kind of uh, like all the things that go along with good physical health. Um, a lot of times for the parents, the, it seems like something extra they have to do when they probably already have a ton on their plate, but if you can relate it back or if they can relate it back to, you know, that what I do 
is going to influence the health of my son or daughter, mm -hmm. then that's a bigger why that's, that's maybe more important for them and they're more willing to stick with an exercise program. So exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Well, this, it sounds like you've met your goal in terms of, uh, in terms of raising money for it. Cause it costs a lot of money to publish a book right, right up front. And you as a college student don't necessarily have unlimited funds to deal with. So yeah. <laughs> uh, you did, you just told me, tell me again, like the, the, your, your fundraising goal has been met for that. Yes. It, the campaign officially ended, I think two days ago and I did reach my goal. So I will be getting published. Um, the idea of that was for my publishing company to see initial interest before going through with the publishing costs. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Maybe I should explain that. <laughs> no. But yeah, so it will be published and I can get the information to you about how to purchase, purchase it or get a copy once it's published in July or August. Cool. Well, definitely please do. Um, we'll put that, we'll definitely get that out and maybe attach it. Actually, once you get that information, I can always add it to the show notes at the end oh, here. Perfect. Um, so that it's that's here. So anybody who's catching this one late um, will have a better or, or will have a, the link for that. So make sure you send that my way. I can set that up. I will for sure. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm so impressed with you and uh, and great work publishing a book as you're leaving college, which is fantastic. And especially one that's going to be so helpful for the, the people who are listening to this, too. So um, Congrats again. Thanks. Thanks for joining. And uh, anything else? Anything else you want to share? No, just a big thank you to you and everyone at Advantage. I had such a great past year learning from you guys and meeting everyone. I've loved it. Awesome. Well, it was great having you. I'm, I'm, I know we'll stay in touch and I want to know what kind of cool stuff they do at Google. So Yes, I would love to keep you posted. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, we'll let you go. But uh, great job, Kate. You did well on your first podcast interview. And uh, good luck to you. Thank you, Brian. All right, that's going to wrap up episode two of the Fit Life Formula podcast. Thanks so much to our guest, Kate Owens, for joining us. If as you were listening, uh, you started to think, you know, hey, I'm, I'm kind of struggling or I'm missing a piece of this formula for myself, I'm happy to help out there. Just email me at brian at advantagestrength.com. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N at advantagestrength.com. Remember, the, the podcast here really is for the members of Advantage Strength, and it's going to also help anybody who is in that you know 35 to 65-year-old range looking for ways to stay active with their family and friends and uh, a way to maintain or get back to doing the things that they love doing. So any questions, feel free to, to email me. And um, again, thank you, Kate. And I think this has been hugely beneficial for people just to get a little bit of insight as uh, into their own fitness program. So thank you so much for taking time to listen today. And we look forward to getting the next episode out next week. Uh, really looking forward to sharing with you and um, hopefully making a difference in your life. So take care, everybody. Have a great week. And we'll talk to you really soon.